Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nolson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hey, man. Hello. How's How it going? are you? Yeah, we're. That was maybe your longest media day, or no? Th- that's the thing is that media know. day is easily forgettable for me in terms of what the day entails and what it is. Uh, we are joining you guys live from the pavilion. We can see the beautiful ribbon LED board going around is with Arizona's fact, largest us, bar yeah it is media day yeah the largest bar in the world or whatever the the Arizona's largest bar supposedly do you remember the details from the press release four yes, years I ago do. I don't good congratulations I guess hey man we're Hi. here yeah so I was joking to you but not really joking to you and I'm gonna say right now this is probably the hardest podcast that we do our, our jobs aren't hard they're easy but this is the hardest podcast we do every year because for those of you guys that don't know media day Every player will talk. We'll hear from a coach or two. We'll hear from ownership, people in the front office, and it lasts, like you said, three to five hours. This was about four and a half. And the whole time we're live tweeting, we're all scrambling. You're writing stories in the middle of it. So it's very difficult after the fact to kind of sum everything up into one thing. Like we can all sit here and look at the camera and say, they're excited. Basketball is just around the corner. But in all actuality, what did you take away from the media Ooh, day? I took away a couple things stand out. Matt Ishbia went first, and he addressed the DeAndre in trade, which we haven't heard directly from anyone, and since he's the big boss man who makes decisions ultimately, fit was the reason. Um, obviously, the numbers of you get multiple players back for DA, but just fit and he kind of did go out and say it without saying it like da is going to get bigger numbers than nurkic da is going to get even bigger numbers on the portland trailblazers it's going to be good for him probably for his career but the fit is better with nurkic and and that kind of was a direct one-to-one like he had to mention nasir little and had to mention grayson allen which i i think you know allen especially could arguably be the best most important player of that trade if you consider what he's going to bring and if Nurkic only plays 25 minutes a game but yeah I thought that was interesting that Matt Ishbia kind of went out and said kind of the obvious and like didn't duck the DeAndre Aiden on paper as a better player than Nurkic but this is a better fit so I thought that was kind of the headliner right off the bat yeah and I was talking to Luke Forstner from KTR when he was talking to me about this and I said so something we talked about a lot when Monty got here is that Monty would say things in his post-game press conference and the players would echo him, and I wasn't used to that. That didn't happen much around Igor or Earl or anything like that. It wasn't really a unified message that was being agreed upon, got through to the guys, however you want to read into why they're echoing each other like that. But regardless, um, that was more of what we heard from the front office. What we heard from James, uh, Josh, Bar- Josh Bartlestein, and... Matt Ishbia, uh, Bartlestein, the CEO of the team, Ishbia, the owner, James Jones, the general manager, 
someone finally said it. for those Suns fans I think it, it was a random thing that kind of got thrown in there we all know this by now but there have been some saying Suns fans capping as the kids say saying like Matt Ishbia doesn't get final call and stuff James Jones still has final authority over everything and it's like no no he does not um, was that Josh who basically was, said no Matt makes the decision it was Bartlesine who basically painted it in a way where it's 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 Josh it's James and it's Frank and they um say their things they have their opinions they have their pieces to they say collaborate but they collaborate but ultimately the decision uh comes down to ishbia himself so if you were in that sort of bubble where you believed that that was not the case it is the case but of course it's not led to nothing but good things for them so far and we talked about this at the time when he got hired and when all of these stories came out it seemed sure seemed like from the stories that he was the guy making the decisions and making all these calls that you just have to look at past experience in the league and say how it's often been a negative more often than not when you've had an owner. Like, if owners were really good at this most of the time, we would say this is a positive, but they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're usually pretty bad at it. Um, but he's been great so far, and I think the key thing is I don't think that's just um, putting on a facade and saying that there's a collaboration process. There very much is a collaborative process because something I asked James about was it seems like you guys are still having like that Suns type player in mind because that was a thing between him and Monty where they came up with what they wanted a player to be, the attributes, and that more or less carried over to the guys that we saw them sign. I talked about that in the offseason, and he said it's Frank, whoever is the head coach, like that. those core things that he looks for are still going to be the guys that they target. So from the front office perspective, I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and, and to kind of add one piece to that, James was basically asked, like, when this – these new guys came in, new owner, um, when Josh was added to it, because he has basketball, like he's a basketball family. His dad, what is Brad Beal's agent? Like, yeah, it could be seen as stepping on toes, but James is basically like, I, I just want to build a championship team, and no matter what my role is, like I, I can't get distracted by that. I'm always working for my job. And, and I think that's what we've said about him, is he just seems like I'm going to collab with whoever is – going to be in charge and who's going to work with me um and so obviously the things around him changing means he's going to operate differently he's going to be okay to spend more money um Barlstein also admitted like when they put out that second apron um in the cba matt ishbia basically was like yes let's blow through that i think that's only come out in the espn pieces i don't know if that's directly come out of a son's person's mouth but that was another thing that was like okay, everything we read and everything we guess about this team, um, they're being open about it, which is which is cool. Um, and obviously, look, when, when they start messing up and the team stumbles and loses 10 games in a row, then we can criticize it. But until then, we really can't. Uh, moving on to Vogel and the players, I think there were a couple. Um, one that you wrote about, are you writing about right now? I didn't really start, but it I'm going seems, to. It seems, that's how this day goes, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know when my next meal is. Thankfully, the sun's provided us with some delicious food. My goodness, like, let me say, like, no bias here. They just put out the spread, and uh, they put in the work. It didn't was, they change their It was not just popcorn and, and cookies, which is always welcome regardless, but. it's. I think that's a niche be a change that they're, like, we got, putting we, on us, so. Yeah, we got some of the fancy stuff, and the fancy stuff, it was, it's sitting they're good. They're pulling out all the stops body. to be in our good graces, I guess. But my point was that's these types of days where that is welcome because I don't know what my next meal is going to be with how we're going to get through all of this content and then straight into training camp tomorrow. But one of our core takeaways, and I think everyone echoing on Twitter, uh, if you did not read the story that I wrote on Yusuf Nurkic and something we talked about in the um, 
podcast before was his shooting but mostly was his playmaking and how I'm curious to see where it resides because initially in the draft I wrote that this is like he can be a hub where he's Nikola Jokic and DeMontis Sabonis and I was like ah like I don't even want to like put that out there because it's just those are two incredibly good playmakers and Nurkic is a really good passer Um, but I'm curious to see what his role is in terms of how often he's used as a quote-unquote hub of the offense in the way that we see other centers coming. Shengun is someone in Houston who people are expecting to be the next guy to become that as a center and Nurkic said that Book joked to him at some point here in the last couple of days like you're the point guard now. Vogel talked about his passing specifically. I remember like he used like technological terms for for cutting and like slip cuts is something that he mentioned specifically Um, and when you were watching the tape it was it was funny because just about all of Nurkic's assists that I was going through that involved him finding a cutter or someone off ball movement it was just tame pretty much and then uh Trendon Watford and it was like here are the two guys who understand how to move off the ball on the team and then everyone else is just kind of you know around and that's the thing about Booker Beal Durant they're three extremely good off ball players I think Beal's already an awesome cutter I think Katie is too and I think Book is going to grow into one just because he's never been in this type of position before because when it's Chris doing the stuff he's not supposed to be cutting he's supposed to be spacing but there are going to be opportunities for him to cut especially with this but that was where um, our Australian correspondent David pointed out how it'll be not imperative but it'll be important for the Suns to at least have some of their offense roll through not roll through Nurkic but utilize that part of his game and based on what we heard from the coach like it was one of those very unprompted things where he wasn't asked about Nurkic specifically but he went on a couple of different times about his passing yeah um semi-related to that I we talked about just we've talked about for the last few months no true point guard and I think we got a little more clarity on that today maybe not a ton but enough where yeah what'd you think Bradley I just thought Book and Kevin were like we're gonna play we're gonna figure it out but but Bradley's kind of joke about like even if we did have like if if we had a traditional point guard if like if say if Chris Paul was on this team like it would almost be no point because it's like what are you you want to slow it down as Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant are running down the court? Probably not. Um, they're all going to handle it. It's going to be more communal as a position. But also, I think that goes into the pace um, thing where we, we assumed this. Again, another assumption that, that they said with their mouths today. But I think they're going to play at a lot faster pace. And Brad not... is the guy specifically, I think, who has been vocalizing that the most. Yeah. Like, we did a 36 Unbothered. We've been doing a Daily Suns post every day on the site. One of them was about lineup combinations, and the one that I came up with for Brad and uh, none of the other big three playing with him was like a running gun lineup because yeah. it just seems like what he's focused on and what might suit his skill set best, pace, shooting, athleticism, putting it all around him. And it seems like he's acknowledging because I, I remember the line from his thing it was like whichever one of us me or book gets the ball we go whoever's closest to the re yeah. whoever's the outlet that's closest um yeah you're not going to want to slow it down and whether you're in a defense first lineup where you can run on teams that's athletic whether you're in a shooting lineup where you're going to have floor spacers like there's no reason this team shouldn't not run like they should run a lot um and then, yeah, the playoffs are going to have to deal with their big three getting touches and all that stuff. But I, I think that's a promising sign. And player after player kind of, when asked about it, sometimes unprompted, would say, like, Frank wants us to run. So 
obviously a defensive coach, but I think the emphasis is going to be on pushing the tempo and it's going to look different. A handful of guys said that Vogel was maybe the most exciting part of them coming here as well. So to retroactively kind of look back at that hire at the time, um, in terms of attracting players, I didn't understand the magnitude there until I heard players talking about it here. Uh, To go on the coach again, uh, something that you and I talked about last episode and something I wrote, I think, in like two, uh, maybe all three of the stories that I wrote reacted to the trade, but at least two of them where I was like, this, the way this roster is designed, Vogel has to experiment, and he can't... I, I don't want to say he can't just stick to nine guys, because if they're 14-0, and 0, they should stick to the nine guys. But whatever... Uh, um, there are going to be injuries that come along the way. There are going to be other things that come along the way where he's going to be able to mix and match. But he specifically said, when, when asked about the competition for the fifth spot, amongst other things, he said there is an element to winning the job, but guys are going to need to understand that the rotations could change for small chunks of the season he wants to explore all the possibilities and i think that is a very there's a my whole thing about this team especially after last year is just how much can they maximize what they have right now because what i wrote in that 36 unbothered thing is like the offensive possibilities with kevin it was like a two out of ten maybe in terms of how much they got out of him and that's not to say they were at fault it's just the way the situation unraveled with his injury and the timing and all that kind of stuff but this op- this team has an opportunity to be deep and be deep in a way where i think there's been reactions to people saying this team is deep and saying it has depth and all this kind of stuff it's deep in the sense that it has every skill set yeah so if he wants shooting for a specific playoff matchup um like when tory randomly came into this starting lineup for the clipper series that was random yeah. It was not even if it's Tori like, oh, a, Monty is even if Tori has a bunch of experience, it wasn't really on him. It was just more of how the team vibed. But they could go into a series where, um, I think I was going through the types of teams specifically. They could play Sacramento, where De'Aaron Fox is the head of the snake, but also in a way where there's no one else besides Sabonis who really commands the offense. So yeah, you can start Jordan Goodwin for that series specifically because you want your best on-ball defender, which I think he has a chance to be, if not he is already, um, in my eyes. But then there might be a series where it's two teams that are just going to play super-duper high-level offense, but they also have some zero. Like if you're playing against the Warriors and you know Draymond's going to be out there, it's like, okay, you could stick Kevin on him or you could start Yuta and just stick Kevin or stick Yuta on Draymond Green and work with it that way. Have Booker or Beal pick up the Curry assignment. To my point, I think that there's a way to make this team better because of all those options. Those are two guys in two roles, and they've got like seven guys who fit seven different roles basically, but if they don't play them, they're never going to know. Yeah, that that Frank quote you mentioned I thought was the most interesting learning thing that we had because he basically said like, look, if if they start coming out of training camp and -and so-and-so is the fifth starter and the bench is eight, goes eight people deep, like that doesn't mean that he's not going to go to the other guys like I think he's very aware this season is to experiment I don't know the exact words if it is experiment but he's going to use the full regular season to be ready for the playoffs and to make sure he knows his personnel groupings and whether two guys fit on the floor together and know whether um, so-and-so can really change games guarding the ball versus who can really really change games facing the floor so I, I think that was a really interesting admission. Like, I, 
I'm going to play everyone just to find out what I have, and it might take the regular season or parts of it, but it's not going to be a stuck rotation like it's been with Monty and only changes based on um, threatening losses in the playoffs or injuries in the regular season because that's kind of how it was. It was like he got his roster set and they went into it and he had change, but it was it was pretty much standard how he went about rotations. Yeah, and something that I realized more with getting to speak to each guy individually and more so the exercise of thinking about what to ask these guys, the timing is pretty crazy in terms of the guys that they've signed. So let me go through the roster and, and tell you what I mean exactly. So they've got Kevin Durant and Denbooker. We know about those guys. Um, Bradley Beal, he said it in one of those questions where he played point guard in the last year and a half more than he ever has before. Hey, the timing there, that's pretty good. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, just more so with the time that he spent developing away on a Portland team where he hasn't really been on a contender. Look, he, that team made the West Conference Finals. He was hurt for it, though. So he's never really I, – I think he hasn't played beyond the first round for himself. Um, and, and that's something where, as a player, he has clearly solidified himself and, like, learned to coexist with someone like Dame. Yeah. And he's kind of ready for this next step. Eric Gordon is more self-explanatory where – he was bouncing around this Houston situation, landed in, in the Clippers, but he's clearly now in the something I said. I say a bit, and I don't realize people instantly take it as negative, but ring chasing, I think ring chasing is fine. I don't know why ring chasing has to be like a negative connotation kind of thing, but he's at that point in his career where he should just be going wherever he can win a championship, and he's at that page. Um, Josh Okoge coming off the best year of his NBA career by far, like not even close, Yeah, just the best year of his career and really coming into something specific there uh Kate Bates Diop again same thing where best year of his career but also he did so in a rebuilding kind of situation and now he gets to take those attributes to see how they work on a winner Grace and Allen just started for two straight years for a 60 win team and really got to learn how his skills translate into those games Chemezi Messi played on a winning team for the first time in his career he might not have held a consistent role there all year but it was his first time playing on a team like that where his role was there Nasir Little, it was like the most he had played and the most he'd been involved in the offense. So he got to explore some new things in his game there necessarily. This is the most Drew Eubanks played last year. Bull Bull was a similar kind of thing. Yuta, same thing. Bounced around a couple of the teams. Plays his biggest role of the year and then comes into this kind of situation. Jordan Goodwin just broke into the NBA last year. I think Ish had his most opportunities last year and on and on. Like I, I just read off pretty much the entire roster and some, I just noticed that the timing here for guys being... I think I only look at two or three guys on the team total, and I'm like, are they ready for this opportunity? I think I'm pretty sure in terms of what we can say from our perspectives with their past experiences and seeing them on NBA courts. feels like everyone's ready for this kind of thing, and they're not going to be – I'm not going to be as hesitant <laughs> as I was maybe last year when it came to, all right, it's March, who are the guys? Yeah, I think just them picking up, especially on the vet minimum contracts, all these guys who are like – age-wise just kind of hitting their prime kind of finding their place in the league um and when you talk about whether it's fifth starter who's going to take the last roster spots um that's going to be important for the competition and again that's that's going to be something we're going to watch here in the next couple weeks with training camp um they got to make some roster decisions in a little bit here poor ish man my goodness yeah. i would uh Dwayne asked a question but i was gonna ask him i was like man just like when you finally escaped this thing that has been the story of your nba career so far in a good and a bad way where he's always had this roster question at least hanging over him at some point during the season 
and he was in this position where sure his guarantee contract with like buyout candidates or whatever um would have emerged i think the buyout rule is like the guys the salaries that the guys are on when they're bought out can't be super high so the suns can be in the buyout market in some extent to some extent this year but that conversation was probably going to come up then anyway but man he couldn't even make it to training camp before it's like okay like is he out there i mean personally i've been saying this forever his stock took a huge hit in the postseason amongst the fan base at least i think most of the fan base just doesn't believe he's an nba player anymore i do not think that's the case at all I think he's very much an NBA player, and they have to make two spots, though. It can't be Jordan Goodwin, and uh, Jordan Goodwin's just come up because I think he's the player from the outside that seems like, okay, was he like, he was like a throw-in in the Bradley Beal trade, his contract's not so bad, all that kind of stuff, but he's he's on this team. He's making the team. I feel very, it's it's Keon Johnson, and then it's it's someone else, and I think it's Ish. I think it could be Bull Bull. Um from a like what do you need more perspective it's interesting because if you think bull is the center that was another thing that come out of this he was asked bull bull was asked what do you think your best position is he's like i could probably both because yusuf referred to him and like was like i I think he's a guard guard. and that's um, um, something that has been developing with him over the course of his career and kind of figuring out where he fits in is like this tweener we've never really seen before um but yeah, there, there is that roster decision looming, and it has to come in the next couple of – I think it's the regular season is yeah. when it when it can happen. So they can go through the preseason and, like, give Keon Johnson some run in the preseason and see. But, I mean, we'll talk about that later this week if he's still around. Like, he was a guy who might have been a lottery pick in 2021, and he's been in the league for two years. So to say he doesn't have a chance to stick here is not fair because – He's very it, not. I'm not saying like it's not fair. He deserves a better chances. Like no, like a, he he should be discussed like someone who can make the team because he's very talented. And if Vogel sees something in him defensively, um, I think it was Dana who asked the question from the Republic. Like, oh yeah, you set the record for the highest vert ever at the combine, 48 inches. He's an incredible athlete, and it's been when I asked him about the question, he was referring to his like defensive intangibles and stuff. And I know we're spending most of this podcast talking about the back half of the roster at this point, but. Kevin and Devin were just like, I'm just going to play basketball. Like We're just going to figure this whole thing out, so I'm sorry that we're not really appealing to the masses there, but those guys are very simple-minded, uh, so we're not going to expend too much time on it in circumstances like this, at least when we're talking about all these other things. Did you have your overreact to someone's name getting mentioned somewhere media day moment where, like, for example, when James Jones was talking about not having a lead ball handler, the first guy he mentioned outside of the big three was Jordan Goodwin or Josh Okogie's moment in the elevator with Frank Vogel. Did you hear about that part? Were you over there for the Josh Okogie part? I was not over there. Uh, didn't hear every interview like you did. But, no, I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, so the Josh Kogi elevator thing is that yes. he was at an All-Star weekend a couple years ago, I would assume, for the rookie-sophomore game. He was in an elevator. Frank Vogel was in it. And then, like, Frank Vogel, before he got out of the elevator, just said, like, love your game, you're tough, and then got off the elevator. That was the um, that was my impersonation of Josh Okogie's impersonation of Frank Vogel. Thank you. You can hire me. I have open dates. Um, and that was a little light bulb thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, like, he, it, the coach loves his game. I mean, his game has only gotten better since then, for sure. So that was, like, a fifth starter thing for me. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there's something there um but yeah uh i I loved what bates diop had to say about his stuff but there wasn't really inklings tea leaves uh i don't know it's weird because someone is going to get i think before the trade it was like okay someone's going to get left out but they'll find their guy and now it's like someone who probably deserves minutes is not gonna play yeah um 
I guess my biggest thing going into this is the competition, which I again another thing we knew people overemphasize, but to me that that's an extra wrinkle that will help this team because I think when we look at this team again, it's we know the three stars, but everyone else is just going to be playing hard, not whether it's roster spot or fifth starter, but just to play with them, which I think is super interesting. And then when you talk about like even the the cup games uh, for that pseudo championship that everyone's like, oh, I don't see the point of it. I think Nurk saying that, like, look, every game is going to be like that for us. So it's not for this team. It's not a big deal. It's a regular season game. Why are people acting like this? If anything, it will have more stakes, not but less stakes. But I will say again, I said this, my crazy t- hot take on that was this Suns team is going to play hard during that, not only because of obviously they're playing for standings and Gotta to get, get better. Gotta get Saban paid. But all the players get that bonus, Gotta baby. Gotta get Ish paid. Gotta you get, get a good bonus. Hey. It's actually How worth get it. Jordan Goodwin paid. It's significant money to the minimum guys, especially. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Half their Look team. Look at the sun. The sun is middle. setting on. Do you have anything else before it's I a, make the terrible it, metaphor? It's a of beautiful the sun being pavilion that the Phoenix Suns have built here at the Footprint Center. But for lighting purposes, as the sun is setting, our video director, producer, do-it-all man Jeremy Chanel has made us move. I think like four different times, and I think that why didn't you bring the umbrella to? There we go. I think we've only been going for like less than 15 minutes, but honestly, we got to go to training camp and hear from these guys on that kind of level. Um, I, on the on the book and Katie thing, I asked them the questions. I got again. I got to go back and listen, listen to what they said because busy, busy tweeting and doing all this stuff, and it's hard to digest what people are saying. But to that point, um, I asked both of them about their relationship and just how this summer it seemed like they were bonding quite a bit getting to know each other more and just how that's going to help and I think what what we're seeing now and what's clear to me is that we're in this new era of Suns basketball like Book is the face of the franchise don't get me wrong but like Book and Kevin and how they not only are bonding but continue to on the court and the Suns get benefits off of that that's going to determine really how far this thing goes anything else quirky or weird that happened did you see any goofball shenanigans over there while near the areas where they do the goofy stuff while you were riding now just people eating wagyu beef sliders so it was we're all the same matty ish is on it man yeah he is that man is on it yeah there was nothing really from what he was saying that um he he talks so freaking fast <laughs> it's like i was trying my best to keep up as the person trying to type some of it um but i did think that it was interesting to hear their perspective on the relationship that the working relationship that they found the sun's now coming to get in my eyes as well so i think that's a sign that we should um cut it again we apologize for not exp- usually we go very in depth and are known to quite overanalyze and hyperanalyze sun stuff but hey man a bunch of people said a bunch of stuff a whole lot of it doesn't really matter we're just going to see him on the basketball court and yeah. go from there please let me come to media day next year after i said this about media day itself as an exercise but Enjoyed the day. Just ready to see. I'm ready to, I think it was Bartlestein who said, like, I'm ready to hear, like, the ball go through the hoop. And then, like, I'm ready to hear the 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 sounds of competition I hear from the lobby of the Footprint Center. I don't know how else to put it, like, hearing the cursing through the walls and everything else. <laughs> that I hear all the yelling all the time when they're going on practice and all that kind of stuff. So, You go do that. We'll enjoy some Diamondbacks baseball. What do you think? 
I th- Woodruff got hurt. Do you know that? Do you know that? I don't know if like divine intervention and lightning will strike the field at some point, but there's got to be the baseball gods got to give us one back for the Ryan Braun series, right? That's true. It's got to happen. Yeah. That man's a monster. Yeah. I hope he's not well right now. <laughs> like not physically, but just mentally everything that he got as far as like serotonin from that series, I wanted to come back in some kind of way for him. Not going to add to that, but Ryan Braun. Sure, I'm many people share me. that feeling here. You cheated. You did steroids. Yeah, he and did. then you were he hit sure like did. 460 that he series. He sure did. Seemed to be quite the difference. Yeah. In what happened. You know what I'm never going to do again? What? Ask someone about their NFL team making a questionable decision after their NFL team played my NFL team earlier in the oh, year. Oh, yeah, Kellen got roasted by Kevin Durant about the Arizona. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily just you, but he basically was like, the commanders beat the Arizona Cardinals, he was, to your question. He was playing to the room, but he also knows that the Cardinals are my team, yeah, and we have talked shop here and there. Uh, yeah. Just roasted in front of the room. Good uh, stuff. Really well-deserved by me and just... <laughs> Great start to the year for me and getting dunked on. Just by. real pew pews there, from. He did. He did it to he Wolf. Did, he did it to Ron Wolfley too. Oh, so like he was even more ready to dunk on me. That's refreshing to know. Yeah, don't come at Kevin Durant on Twitter. Don't come at him in any kind of circumstance because I was just trying to make some NFL small talk and I get what I deserve. Which which was that? All right, we'll be back. Uh, what do you think later this week? Sure. Like end of the okay. week, uh, that'll be the end of training camp, and maybe. My goodness, Kevin! If, on, we, we, if our, our paths cross, we'll see. On, on Sunday, know. they might be playing the baseball, they might be playing the football, and they're going to be playing the basketball too. It's going to be a busy day back in Detroit, back to see Monty. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of who is it a revenge game for anyone? I don't know. I hope you find your.